Welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi podcast. We are the Houdat Jedi, and as always, I'm Aaron, and with me is Dave and Fredo. How you doing, guys? Hey. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, doing good. So, um, it was a big food weekend at Dave's house. What, you had um, <clears throat> uh, gumbo, and you had uh, the jalapenos that my neighbor gave you that melted your face. <laughs> And uh, and I saw pizza on Kate's Instagram. So, man, have Good you been stuff. just in a food coma all weekend? Yeah, we've been trying to get our steps step count up too, you know, so that we don't just fall into a coma. But uh, it's been uh, it's been nice. We've been we've been cooking a lot and uh, spending time together doing that. So. Well, I uh, I used the uh, <clears throat> some of those jalapenos um, first of all. Well, yesterday I made just some normal jalapeno poppers in the air fryer. And it was awesome, by the way, I'm, I got this air fryer for Christmas and it's like, you know, best thing since sliced bread. Um, but however, the best thing that I've made next to the Buffalo wings is in where we lived in, uh, Nebraska, uh, this, uh, brewery had, an appetizer that the brewery was called Thunderhead Thunderhead brewing. And you're going to, you're going to love the name of this. They had Thunderballs. And what Thunderballs are is a piece of chicken breast, slice of jalapeno, pepper Jack cheese wrapped in bacon fried. And I make those in the air fryer now and they are awesome. So <laughs> they like the, they're like perfect football viewing food. Oh well, yeah, it's just totally wrapped engulfed in bacon, you know. But the thing was that so right. this this brewery got rid of their fryers at one point and they decided they were going to their niche was going to be wood burning stoves, so they made pizzas, so we couldn't have thunderballs anymore, but they made that into a pizza. Thunderball pizza. It was so it was I mean, it was kind of a white sauce with chicken and jalapenos and bacon and served with a side of ranch dressing. Oh, my God. I'm going to start drooling here in a second. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Fredo, and you didn't have big food uh, weekend, did you? Not really. I mean, uh, actually, no. Yesterday, uh, I did go out, you know, took my folks out to do a bit of a tourist thing and then afterwards stopped for some Vietnamese and... How do you follow up in well, cafe beignets, because of course. So you, so you stop, you stop for the Vietnamese, but you ran right through the French. Look, you know, anyway. This is not here in New Orleans. You know, you don't, you don't stop to think, about, you know, whether you're not your brain. Especially, especially if you're downtown, all the street lights are still out downtown. So uh, it's, that's great in the morning when I go to work, but Anyway, so, but the Saints won. So, yay. you know, week one we had yay, and week two we had uh, and week three we had eh. You know, I mean, so, especially that one pass from Jameis that Marquez Callaway came down with. Oh, my good Lord. That's what we signed up for, like that play. That's, that's well, but that's, and that's what this, that right after that, my wife said, she said, it's going, that's the way this season's going to be. You know, it's just going to be a roller coaster. So <clears throat> enjoy the ride. Anybody See? who thought that week one was going to be the way the Saints were going to go all year long, you know, you don't read the tea leaves very well. So 
but that's kind of, I mean, when I was uh, looking at Peyton, I willingly signed myself up saying, I'm not going to get too high or too low. I'm just going to enjoy the ride week by week. If they win, if they lose, I'm right about it. Because you can't really do that with this team. This is not a team that's built as a title contender. They may end up, but I'm not going to think about that thought in my head until they're there. Because otherwise, it'll just drive me insane. Yeah, so, I mean, the Saints are what the Saints are. And, you know, it was uh, hooray we won. So, uh, take them one week at a time, you know. Um, but tonight, I had – so, our, our – uh, our agenda for this evening came with me because Star Wars was on TNT again this weekend as, you know, because TNT should just be called Star Wars Network anymore. Um, but I was watching Rogue One and I realized I think Rogue One is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Um, I just love the movie. Um, and but I so but I was watching the scenes with uh, Saw Gerrera. And it started kind of a conversation between Dave and Fredo and I. So we're going to talk about Saw Gerrera a little bit uh, 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 tonight. So, um, but before we get into that, let's do some trivia, get our brains wrapped around things. By the way, um, I was had to found myself Googling who was the um, admiral that, um, that wasn't choked by Darth Vader in A New Hope. I couldn't remember what that guy's name was. It was Taggy. Um, but anyway, um, I digress. So let's see here. Da, 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 da. Get the glasses on because I can't see worth a darn. All right. Fredo, whose mm-hmm. first words in The Empire Strikes Back are, don't try to blame me. Whose first hmm. words in The Empire Strikes Back are, don't try to blame me. This took me a second. Start? yeah you I broke up a little bit i got i think i got the right answer in there it is c3po yes it is so fredo knows his droids um actually i was in well, okay never mind that's another story for another day all right so dave all right well come on really who does luke chide you're making a mess yoda it is Yoda. It is Yoda. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Hopefully I get one as easy as yours, Dave. Fredo's was a little, like I said, think about it for a second. All right. So whose banged up appearance prompts a rebel crewman to offer Luke a replacement? Whose banged up appearance prompts a rebel crewman to offer Luke a replacement? I almost answer. Oh, well, okay. So no, it's R2-D2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some reason, my brain, first of all, went to a Tauntaun. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> maybe it's just... R2, Tauntaun, yeah. Totally. That's a busted old Tauntaun That's you got a... there, buddy. Well, I mean, one of them, you know, I guess it was Han Solo's that died, you know, not too long after they left. So anyway, but we got uh, got a little bit of news to report. Uh, nothing earth shattering, but... Um, uh, three bits of news. Well, four bits of news, and then we're gonna. I'm gonna spring something on Dave and Fredo here. So, throw it to Fredo. Uh, so we'll start off by wishing a happy birthday to Mark Hamill, who crossed that threshold on Saturday. Um, Seventy years young for uh, young Skywalker. 
That's crazy to think about that. He's at 70 at this point. Because... Wasn't, he, wasn't he the same age in Last Jedi? Wasn't he the same age as Alec Guinness was in The New Hope? Am I, or am I making that up? You might well, be making that up. I don't know. Like Alec Guinness is surprisingly young in A New Hope, if I remember that correctly. But um, I don't know. It's really weird because like it's it's we you have to adjust your thinking with these like i remember in empire of dreams watching him be interviewed and it was he was firmly middle-aged <laughs> and uh in, in that context luke skywalker middle-aged you know it was still weird because you had to kind of adjust your thinking and like wow he's really wisened up over the years and he really has a a, a different perspective on things and and now like we're talking about luke being 70 which is just hard to wrap your arms around. So funnily, uh, Alec Guinness was 62 in 1977 when Star Wars came out. Uh, when The Last Jedi came out, uh, Mark Hamill was 67. So he was older. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> well, wait, hold on. When? How does this math work? So when The Last Jedi came out, Mark Hamill was 67? And he's yeah, just no. now making 70? Wait, did Mark Hamill, did The Last Jedi come out in 2018? 2017. No, it came out in, well, I guess. Se- what, what, 17, 17. So it would have been 66. Either way, older than Alec Guinness. Okay, the math still works, I suppose. So I, I'm just trying to, uh, This, of course, <laughs> the last year and a half has felt like about eight. So Yeah. Yeah, I think we've all put on about 20 years over the last two years. 20 years and 20 pounds. Uh, so we'll move on right quick after wishing Mark his happiest 70th, and here's so many more. Uh, we talked last week about Knights of the Old Republic uh, coming as a remake to PS5 PC. The original version's meant to come out uh, for the Switch, which I think is about the last system it has yet to come out on. Uh, this no- so if you want to play the original and somehow it's avoided you in one of the many other systems it's on, there's chance. So I, you, you broke up. I missed that entire. Every time you mentioned the date, you broke up. What date does it come November. out? November. <clears throat> November. 11. 11, 11. 11, 11, 11. Well, 11, would... 11, 21. I, I, yeah, 11, 11, 11 was nearly my daughter's birthday. So there you go. That's the date Skyrim came out. Different game. <laughs> um, that's all I got to add to that. I, night, we talked about Knights of the Old Republic last week. Um, go back, circle back, and listen to last week's show if you want to hear us wax poetic about it. It's a really good game. It's an important game. It's probably the best game, the best Star Wars game that's ever been released. So, um, yay! People are going to have the opportunity to play this really awesome game. So, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, moving on then right quick from that, we'll mention that... Uh, there was a couple, there's a nice interview on that, on Variety, I'm sorry, with the producers and creators of Star Wars Visions. Uh, they talk about how the project came to be, how the idea kind of kicked about for a while before really Disney Plus is kind of the medium that allowed them to bring it together because they weren't necessarily sure they wanted to do Star Wars anime as a movie or a series, you know, invest all that effort. Uh, they did ask the producer 
I'm sorry, name escapes me right now. Uh, trying to remember the name now. That's why God <laughs> created Google. People can that, Google it. That is right. And I mean, I'm looking at the art right now. Uh, anyway, the asset producer, James Watt, that's his name, James Watt, about future visions, you know, and he kind of smirks at the camera, the article says, and he says, look, it's a great idea. There are definitely more stories within the realm of possibility. It's nothing that we actually have in active production at the moment. So obviously, you know, because a lot of the visions chapters kind of end up players, if you notice. A lot of them leave kind of like a, that's the opening chapter of a feature story, whether it's Tatooine Rhapsody or The Ninth Jedi or um, the, the Village Bride. You know, they all, they all kind of leave on a cliffhanger moment to kind of hint at further stories. So I wonder if well, then maybe branch off onto their own thing or if we see further chapters in future visions. All right. So as I'm, I'm getting through, I'm, I'm slowly chugging through visions. Um, and I, I, something dawned on me today as I was watching, um, because one of the animation styles was, was GI Joe made by a Japanese, uh, production company because the the animation for um the village bride looked like a gi joe episode <laughs> no actually i believe uh, gi joe was actually uh it was developed by a, an american studio yeah actually developed by an american studio although they borrowed a lot of uh animation uh from japanese influences well, okay so they're okay so I'm not totally nuts. I was like, no, this is looking like Flint and Lady J here for a while, but <clears throat> whatever. So, cool. All right. Those cartoons from the 80s borrowed a lot of influence. Like Transformers in particular, if you think back to Transformers, um, that was, uh, you watch the movie, it's like gorgeous animation at times. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of reminiscent of some of the anime that was that was making the rounds in, in that uh, time period. Uh, you think about Akira and some of the other major um, pieces of art. It's, um, um, you know, again, I'm not sitting here trying to say Transformers is high art, but um, it's um, just watching it from an aesthetic perspective. You're going to you're going to probably enjoy it quite a bit. I will tell you that I would take uh, animated Transformers over the Michael Bay Transformers every day of the week and twice on <laughs> <Yeah>. Sunday. <laughs> I have never been so more confused in a movie than I was when I was watching the first Transformer because it was like when the two robots would be fighting, it's like you don't know who to root for. It's just all of a sudden this like blob of metal. It's like, what the, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? <laughs> So. It's really important in action movies is to be able to tell what you're 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 seeing. Just like honestly, just from a visual perspective, being able to follow this move, well, the next move, and like you said, they were all the robots looked the same, and so it was like a gear here and an arm here and a leg here, but you didn't know what belonged to who. And, and I think yeah, it was I either with you. it was either Screen Crush or Screen Rant that was talking about Shang Chi, and that that's what you know. It's like the final battle in in Shang Chi. It's like you can tell the good guys to the bad guys because of the the color that the, the uniforms they were wearing, right? Um, and they were saying they wonder if that was a you know 
taking customer feedback from Endgame because the last battle in Endgame, it's like that. It's kind of like Transformers, you know. Really, it's like you just have this mob of, you know, stuff. It's like, okay, who's? Oh, okay, yeah, I should be rooting for that guy. So anyway, but Shang Chi makes it a little bit more discernible to to the eye. But yes, sorry, I didn't mean to get off on a, a Transformers uh, tangent there, but. It is what it is. These are, the, these are the choices that filmmakers have to make. I mean, like up front, like, and it's it's really critical when you're talking about just designing people's outfits. You know, it's like, well, I have to make a choice that will impact how someone can read the final battle later on in the movie. So it's like, okay, they all have to look a certain way so that we can discern them from their opponent. Yeah. No, like absolutely intentional and, and critical because otherwise you're going to be sitting there at the end and you're like, what, what's going on? I don't see it. And, and it does tell me that there's that people don't have a person in the room that will say, no, I don't get it. You know, no. to, to be that every, every man, you know, whatever, every woman or whatever to say, no, this, but everybody else is like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And somebody said, I don't know who to root for, you know? Mm-hmm. They're the people who are going to go flame you on Twitter. So anyway, sorry, throw it over to Fredo. Back to the news. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty good. And then uh, just right quick, two bits of quick uh, filming news. Uh, it was confirmed by Ewan McGregor and Diego Luna in different situations that both Obi-Wan Kenobi and Cassian Andor have completed principal photography and filming. Uh, Ewan McGregor's uh, crew are now images online their gift uh wrap gifts you know their shirts and caps and also their navigation that they got from the uh production team and they're kind of hinting at some familiar faces that we're going to see in this show also saying that you know you can talk about this project a bit different because there's no spoiling the ending we know what its ending is going to be it's called rogue one or rebels also true. Yeah. Um, yeah no, okay. So a little personal story here. The day I got to work at Lucasfilm and we got to go to the Lucasfilm company store, I actually got a t-shirt and a koozie that were gifts to the rogue or to the episode seven production crew. Um, and also cause all the extras that they had, they just stocked the company store with. And so I got to, so I've got a episode seven crew, t-shirt and a, and a koozie so and they had actually some other ones they had like leather jackets that had the first order patch on the side and when i came home i said yeah i just i just got the t-shirt and the koozie but they had this cool leather jacket brit said why didn't you get the jacket like because i wanted to be fiscally responsible why didn't you tell me this before i went <laughs> so anyway but yeah that's what they do with all that stuff so yeah that's not the place to be fiscally responsible. So, all right. So we're talking about Obi-Wan here. Um, and you're, you're correct, Fredo, but where were you back then? Um, <laughs> so I've been thinking about this on Obi-Wan. It, you know, because Kathleen Kennedy said that, uh, that um, Hayden Christensen is coming back at, for the rematch of the century. Okay. So Kathleen Kennedy said that Obi-Wan and Vader are going to fight. I mean, that's she said for the rematch. I think it was at the D 23 thing that she said for the rematch of the century. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. Don't answer it because then I'm going to get into my theory here. So do you think that they are actually going to battle? And here's, so here's my theory, because one of my favorite arcs in the Clone Wars is when Yoda is hearing Qui-Gon Jinn's voice and he travels around and gets trained by the, the spooky alien ladies um, to, and how he can, you know, keep his um, consciousness beyond death. He's basically getting that training that then at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he tells Obi-Wan, I'll teach you how to commune with him. So I still think that a chunk of this story that's going to come up is about Obi-Wan's training to be able to do that in A New Hope when he when he gets cut down by Vader. So in that arc in the Clone Wars, Yoda actually battles himself. He battles his hubris. Remember, it's like the evil little shadow Yoda. Um, so I wonder, is this... You know, so he, yes, he, he battled the evil little shadow Yoda, but he didn't really, you know what I mean? Or is, you know, could this be like the empire strikes back force tree where, you know, yeah, Luke battled Darth Vader, but didn't really. So is Obi-Wan going to have to confront something that he's been running from? And so is this, yeah, they're going to battle, but it's going to be more of a, you know, in your own brain type of a thing. And if, if it's going to be an actual battle, like they actually meet up on a street corner somewhere and go at it, does that, how, how does that jive with you, you know, squaring that circle into a new hope? So I guess that we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on that, but that's what I've been thinking about that. I actually think it's going to be more of a, you know, almost like, you know, like I said, just kind of a, a hallucination type of a deal, like from empire strikes back. I don't know. I throw it out to the community. It's an interesting idea, and I'm not going to necessarily disagree with him, just because I think he's, you know, in some ways, you kind of have to square the circle of what we know before, you know. But at the same time, I'm going to, it would be interesting if we don't see Vader and Obi-Wan face off against one another, because it was interesting, you know, if you go back to A New Hope, Vader, it's not that he was dead, it's that he always perceived that, you know, when he starts that sense in the force of him, that he's alive. It's Tarkin that's always like, dude, he's dead. Until he gets the alert about uh, the breaking at, uh, at the prison. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do come together at some point and maybe Vader comes away thinking that he did kill him. See, I always took I always took that because um, there's the line in there. He's, he didn't say, no, he's dead. He's like, no, you're the last of that religion because the emperor the emperor purged all the jedi so you know i always thought that tarkin was just like yeah he's assuming but it's like yeah we got all the jedi it's but um and again i mean luke and vader technically battled twice in empire so anyway dave i'll throw it to you it's interesting the thing about obi-wan that i've always found really interesting and like i've always gravitated to that character uh in particular full disclosure he's one of my favorite characters in the whole thing so like this is like uh christmas this is candy and christmas uh stuff for me obi-wan series um i um he doesn't have one antagonist 
and that's what I've always kind of found really interesting about this guy is like like he kind of gets beat to crap. So he's got this guy, he's got this like caged tiger maul bent on vengeance chasing him across the galaxy. And then he's got this his former apprentice who just hates his guts because he cut him down in his prime and denied him his future. And so like he's got two sociopaths who essentially just want to tear him limb from limb. And the subtext of that is, is enough in and of itself. But then you've got him also trying to look after Luke and keep a low profile. And so I just think there's a lot of dramatic tension to be mined there. So like beyond above and beyond, it's like, well, are they, are they going to square off? Are we going to get the battle? It's like, I'm not sure that that's critical to the success of the series ultimately, because like, like you can just mine this man's emotional um, trauma and emotional um, wrestling with these sorts of um, challenges that are out there for him. It's like, yeah, like I'm, I'm sitting here alone in the desert um, charged with keeping the galaxy's most precious resource alive. And um, maybe I'm going a little nuts in the process. Like I, like there's, there's something there. There's a story in that. Of course. Um, you know, the, the sequel trilogy also set us up for the possibility they could battle without being in the same location. That's now, that's now a thing. So, yep. you know, so that could be totally possible, you know, but I will say this was the most interesting thing when, when Kathleen Kennedy said that, I remember I was talking to Scott Colesby about it and Scott said what he had been reading is a lot of people are saying there's one line in a new hope that gives them an out. And it's when Vader says, you should not have come back. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they do have an out there. Um, oh, which so. it, yeah. Which implies like, you shouldn't have come back because like the last time we met, you were lucky in a way. And like, there ain't no way he was lucky in revenge of the Sith. He cut that man down. <laughs> he, he, he used his experience. Quite and literally. His talent. Yeah, he exceeds his experience and his talent. That was a decisive KO. Um, anyway, and, I'm sorry. So, Keep going. Yeah, no, I mean, like the the kind of the insinuation in a line like that is you should not have come back because now I have the advantage. Now I am the master. Again, um, you can take that to mean, like, and that's why. And, you were lucky to get away last time. And that's why either Vader gets beat down twice and then wins the third battle in A New Hope, or the battle that Vader, and I put battle in air quotes, that Vader and Obi-Wan have in the Obi-Wan series is something on a different plane. Like I said, it's Obi-Wan dealing with, you know, his sins, his whatever, to be able to commune with the Force when he dies and he has to confront with his failure, you know, of Anakin. And so I don't know I, we don't have to belabor this much more. It was just something that I've been thinking about the last week since they've been talking about Obi-Wan and stuff like that. So, um, 
It is interesting though. But like I said, it is, if they do actually meet on a street corner, then it makes that line that Vader says, when I, we last left you, I was, but the learner. Now I am the master. It's like, okay, so you got schooled twice because Dave, to your point, it's like he got schooled on Mustafar and then in new hope, he's saying, all right, yeah, you got lucky. Now I'm going to take you down. So. Yeah. I always felt like that was kind of the subtext. Like you were, you were lucky. Mm-hmm. I'm getting you now. And it's like, well, why do you think like he took you, <laughs> he beat you down, he cut off three of your limbs. Like he, he, he got you like there's no, it wasn't a tie. <laughs> so I, yeah, like I, in that context, yeah, I think like maybe, um, but also like, again, to my point, I think it's, it's perfectly fine if they don't go down that road at all. Um, originally this series was billed as a James Mangold esque, uh, Logan type of story, uh, which is just, um, if you've seen Logan, Aaron, have you seen Logan? No. Okay. Um, not to get in, (laughs) not to get, that that might be one we have to check off the list for you at some point. I don't know if you've seen any of the X-Men movies. Um, but it's uh it's 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 something that movie that that movie deals with death in a way that a comic book movie typically doesn't uh you you typically don't really address what's going on around you it's like there's fiery explosions and colors and fancy uniforms and none of this really takes because somebody's coming back in the next movie anyway and logan is the exact opposite of that this is like this is death this is a movie about death we're talking about death that's what we're doing here go and um with you know within an obi-wan story you can't actually cut him down right because like he's not going to physically die until vader gets him in a new hope so it would be an interesting thing to to deal with like death and people being past their prime and what that means and, and like how we can um, deal with people with a certain amount of tenderness when they've reached that stage of their lives and um, why we should do those things. And I like, I think like there's a lot to be mined there. I mean, it's a story that um, makes a lot of sense to me. So um, again, even without him like physically dying, you can get into some of the, um, the ideas of mortality yeah. and aging and and so forth. So, well, we shall we shall see in not too distant future. So, um, anyway, like I said, that's just something that was kicking around in my brain. Um, now let's get to the let's get to the meat of things. Um, another, it's, it's like what what Aaron is thinking about while he's just sitting there, you know, watching TV. <laughs> um, so again, this past weekend, uh, TNT had, you know, Star Wars running and um, Rogue One was on. And, and I actually turned, to, I turned to um, TNT just as Saw Gerrera is coming onto the screen. Jay, is it really? And this, you know, the first thing we see of him in Rogue One is his metal feet, you know, and he's got the breathing mask and everything like that. 
and he's paranoid and he is like I told you guys in our in our conversation I say just nanners you know he's he's just he's pretty much lost his mind it's a trap isn't it (laughs) what the pilot the message all of it um and I guess that's not the first time we see Sagarera in Rogue One. We see him at the beginning of the movie. So anyway, it got me thinking about it. It's like, all right, so we're... so Okay. We, we want to talk about Sagarera. There are a lot of holes here that and we, we might address and things like that. But first, we want to give kind of the... the what StarWars.com says is the playlist of if you want to learn about Sagarera. So I'm going to give this playlist, but then I want to talk about when he is introduced, um, how he has been introduced to us, because that's not necessarily the way that they put it on StarWars.com. I just wanted to add here, like at the at the outset that like he's kind of this oddball weirdo. um, If you're not really familiar with the character, because he is like you see him in Rogue One and like you said, he's Nanners. off the reservation at this point you may not understand that there was a journey for him to get to that point and so like this is going to be kind of fun for us to just sort of talk about that journey and maybe kind of get our arms around why he might be an important character well and again the way that journey was introduced to us Fredo, are you going to say something yeah no i was just going to say right quick i it's he is and i'll circle back around to this towards the end he he was a character that I wasn't aware of until Rogue One. Uh, but he's also a character that I think, because as the more you see him, as more you interact with him in the various Star Wars parties, becomes more relevant and more vital as a counterpoint to Rebels. It's interesting. He's not a counterpoint to the Empire. He's a counterpoint to the Rebels. Because in so many ways, he stands for what they claim to stand but not the way that they do it. He's the very definition of, you know, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. So, and, and I will, I will get, uh, I'll add a point to that here in a little bit. Um, so anyway, so starwars.com, this is their, this is, this is what they say. If you want to know about Sagrera, here you go. So first of all, the clone wars, that's the first, so that's the first time we're ever introduced to Sagrera is in the clone wars animated series. And there's a what they call the Onderon arc. It's in season five. And so season five, episode two, episode three, episode four. Um, so there so that's when um, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and Rex go and start training these um in there and okay so this is what they're talking about you know there's actually a i was watching the the first one today and um obi-wan says that sounds like terrorism and anakin says well no they're insurgents and so it really i mean they're doing a great job of like you know one person's we've talked about it before one person's terrorist is another person's hero it all depends on who you agree with so anyway um so you have you have that um that arc and you're actually in that arc introduced to his sister is Stila, right? Yeah. Right. Um, and so, so there's, there's that element of it as well. Um, the next part, the next thing they have listed here is, uh, 
the book Rogue One Catalyst by James Lucino. Um, either one of you guys read this one? Nope. I have, yes. Okay. So maybe you'll be able to talk about this one here in a little bit. Um, next one is the novel Rebel Rising by Beth Revis. Um, it says Saw Gerrera takes Jyn Erso under his wing and the book tells the tale of their time together fighting the Empire in every way they can. And then number four, they said, is Star Wars Rebels, the honorable ones. And though Saw doesn't appear in the episode, personally, it offers a shocking window into the sort of treatment Imperials received at his hands because Callus does mention Saw Gerrera in that episode. Um, but number five, uh, Star Wars Rebels, uh, season three, episodes 12 and 13, that's Ghosts of Geonosis, and they hook up with Saw on Geonosis. Um, then in uh, the, the sixth one they have here is Rogue One. Um, and that's where their list ends. Now there's more for Saw Gerrera um, because Rebels gets back we get saw again in the final season i believe and then we also get saw in the bad batch in the first episode of the bad batch mm-hmm. so like i said we i mean this list jumps around and the animated series we're always getting at a specific point in time um of saw's life but it's sometimes in the future, sometimes in the past, you know what I mean? It's so it's really, it's really disjunct how we've been introduced to saw, you know, we've been jumping around like Marty McFly, McFly in the, in the DeLorean. Um, so I guess, you know, all the while we know saw is a, um, he is a rebel. He is, he doesn't have many rules. It's, you know, anything goes. Um, and all he is, he is consumed with defeating the empire. And the thing that struck me and I told you guys, and then I'll shut up a little bit. We can just kind of start the conversation was in rogue one, spoiler alert, he dies without even coming close to seeing any fruits of his life's mission the empire is at their strongest they're destroying the planet that he is on and he just chooses he 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 just gets blowed up and so and it's like is that what like i said is that what made him go nanners you know it's like his life's ambition and goal became further and further and further away from his reach so I don't know where we want to start this conversation on Saw Gerrera. I Actually, I would like to hear about Dave, maybe in Catalyst, what they what they hit on there. You know, what's interesting about uh, Catalyst is that it sort of continues this theme um, in the other media that it, we don't get a real clear picture of him. And we get more of a unreliable narrator picture of him. Um, we often see him through the Empire's eyes. We've seen that in um, Bad Batch uh, recently, where 
everybody on the emperor is aware of him and they just paint him as this terrorist and like that's not necessarily a complete picture of what he is given what we saw in rebels in particular where again a lot of the um people in the rebellion didn't approve of his methods and they you know like we don't want to be associated with this guy but at the same time you see him make moral choices um i'm and i'm thinking specifically back to like when the uh the geonosian like he's downright abusive and awful through like most of that arc but then at the you know by the end of it he's like you know yeah okay we're not gonna we're not gonna commit genocide here um at least that's how I remember it. Hopefully, I'm not like misremembering that. <laughs> but, no, you're not, you're not wrong. You're not no, no, yeah. But it's like, so like he gets painted as like this crazy, awful terrorist. And I'm sure he did like amazingly bad things that we haven't seen yet. And again, like that's kind of where some of the um, interest lies. Where I was like, well, we want to learn more about him. We want to learn more about some of these bad things that he's done. Uh, what kind of character he is, who he is as a person. But um, again, it's it's fascinating to me because that he constantly gets sort of presented through this this biased lens, either through the Empire, who's like, he's an awful terrorist and we've got to kill him, or through the Rebellion, who's kind of like, he's too extreme for us. He's not a part of what we're doing here. Well, and that... And, and that, that gets to my point of, you know, who's the good guy and who the bad guy depends on your own point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, you- I mean, it's it, and and I, I think that's actually a, a point that is, I mean, there's so many things in the in the sequel or not, in the, but the in the prequel trilogy, you know, people get hung up on politics and stuff like that. But I mean, George Lucas is making a big point about war and that it's, you know, and especially when Anakin says, even though it's delivered in the worst acting ever, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. It's like, well, you got a point. The Jedi were definitely corrupt, you know, and they were they were operating out of hubris. You know, they wanted to tell themselves that they were, you know, operating from a you know, a good point, but it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, you guys are kind of going against a lot of things that you were set up to do anyway. Um, and so saw is one of those people, like you, like you just said, it's like, you know, he's a good guy depending on, you know, cause Ezra really agreed with his tactics because Ezra was getting frustrated with all of the namby pamby political crap that, um, Mon Mothma was going through with, you know, and he liked Saw being decisive. So the thing that really I want to know is like what happened between the last time we see him in Rebels and when we see him in Rogue One. That's not a lot of time spent, but at some point his legs get blowed off and he's got to use, you know, a respirator. You mean between Clone Wars and... No, Rebels. No, Rebels. Oh, between Rebels. Okay. Because Rebels, yeah. you know, when they're doing the Kyber Crystal heist thing, he's he's not clunking around with a cane or on <laughs> robot legs or breathing in a mask. He's got the he's he's got the big hair, but you know, 
Um, he's still pretty extreme minded though. He's very point. extreme, but I'm just saying physically something happened. Yeah. And, and again, so I, I think that's the other intriguing thing is that there's a lot of storytelling that they could be doing. And maybe that's going to be season two of the bad batch. I don't know. By the way, in your, in your rundown, well, that wouldn't Star work. Wars. Never mind. Just rewind. <laughs> okay. Go Fredo. No, I was going to say in your rundown from Star Wars.com, did they include his uh, appearance in Jedi fallen order? No, that's not in here either. Because he, he plays an integral part because when you'd have to go to Kashyyyk for a mission there, it's Saw Gerrera's rebels who are in there. That, you know, he actually, they even got Forrest Whitaker to come back and voice the character for that presence, you know. And it's an interesting because the first time you go there, he's trying to help the Wookiees. He's trying to help us, you know, drive off the Empire. And then you have to come back at a later point to Kashyyyk and... He's nowhere to be found, and things have gone to crud. Basically, the long and short of it is, is he found or he couldn't achieve what he wanted and just moved on. So it's it's almost a juxtaposition with Saul Guerrero's character because he's very militaristic, very much an ends justify the means guy, but at the same time, he's not. And but to your to your point right there, he is the almost the exact same he he is the ying to anakin's yang anakin was the same way in the clone wars where it was like you know we're taking too long we gotta we gotta act we gotta do x y or z and so darth vader is that way and Mm -hmm. darth vader is evil in our eyes whereas saw guerrera is of the same thing but he's fighting on the right side so we 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 give him a pass but Some you know something I, w- I would say is that in many ways, Saw is also a juxtaposition, like you're saying, a juxtaposition of Vader. I always thought it was interesting that all there's certain characters along the journey of Star Wars, whether it was uh, Grievous or Darth Maul or, you know, some of these other characters who blended the idea of man and machine, you know, blended the idea of, okay, you, you know, you're trying to achieve your goals no matter what, and they're going to take you down a dark road where you're going to lose a piece of your humanity and some ways literally for some of these characters. So is a guy who maybe doesn't go as far down the road as Grievous or as Duke or as uh, Maul or as Anakin does, but he ends up paying a similar price for how uh, rigid he is in his point of view. So do we know... Is is uh, is Saw? Do we know is Saw Gerrera going to be in the Andor series? I would imagine. Hmm. If, I mean, I'll just I Google I, that one. I, we, I, I, if he if he isn't, that's a sin. But um, the thing is that I'm thinking about the line that Cassian says in Rogue One. He said, you know, talking about why people are fighting for the rebellion because of the things they've lost. And you know, you know, I've been in this battle since I was six years old. Saw Gerrera is very much the same. And in he, you know, in Bad Batch, we see Stila, his sister, because in Clone Wars, spoiler alert, um, Stila dies. And so he lost his sister to the Separatists, you know, and to this war. Um, so his motivation is not just political, but very personal. And I wonder if, uh, I wonder if there will be any sort of uh, Cassian, um, well, for right now, they're not confirming his presence in IMDb, but I would be surprised if he makes a uh, appearance at some point. We know when uh, 
when they captured Jin, the rebels are about the fact that if they show up, you know, and shoot them. So, so love lost there. We get to see where that breakdown between him and the rebels occurs. There is one other uh, uh, entrance of Saw Gerrera into the story, and I guess in the solo novel, uh, in the very at the very end, um, Enfys Nest is giving the coaxium to Saw Gerrera, and down the ramp comes a little kid, Jin Erso. So um, there's another aspect that he's interested. So he's, and Dave, you mentioned in our Twitter group, this kind of, he said he's really the face or becoming the face of the war in Star Wars, it seems like. You know, everything else has been about Jedi and Force and everything. He is about, you know, just he's about the war and about, you know, battling the oppression. I'll let you go. Yeah, I think that's really um, an important point to take away. Like from it's like, well, why? That's that's why you made it. Well, this is where does this where does this (laughs) character show up? It's like he shows up in these war settings, and it's it's a deliberate thing because this is a guy that shows you kind of the nasty underbelly of this. And I think like you were really sort of hinting at something important earlier, which is that this. The um, the lack of success a person can have in a particular endeavor can breed extremism. Um, because again, like you said, like he didn't get to see anything that he fought his whole life for um, end into success. Like he he died this terribly sad existence, and there's probably a point in that, right? Um, which is like, yes, extremism is bad, folks. Um, but I also feel like it's important to show it on occasion. Like we always talk about like Star Wars and fan- lasers and ships and lightsabers. It's fun. And it, it can be those things. It can be those things for sure. That's those are the reasons we're drawn to it. Um, but Rogue One resonated with a lot of people because it showed a little grittier side of things. It showed a little more of an actual um, realism to this sort of conflict, and, and saw and the embodiment and emphasized the gray area that you know forever. Star Wars has been: you're either good guy or bad guy. You're mm-hmm. the light side of the force, dark side of the force. You know, right, and, and they, they break that down like within two scenes where right. Cassian shoots a guy in the back, you know. So it's like, okay, everything that you thought you knew is gone, it's dead and buried. We're going to show you a different version of events. And again, like that kind of again, this ties in with what we were talking about, which is like, um, the the narrator is is really critical in in understanding the story that you're hearing it's like nobody thinks that saw is like the bee's knees nobody likes this guy and so except for jen um she sees the value in this person who rescued her all those years ago and that that's an interesting thing because no one again it's like like across the board the empire we hate him 
the rebellion we hate him um it it's it's Jin who like is like well let let me i want to go talk to this guy and i i think that there's still like something worth engaging with it like she could have gone into that talk i just i'm just here for my dad and she says that right but she's lying to him and she's lying to herself in that moment i'm just here to get my dad that's the only reason i'm here and, the, and he cuts through that and he's like he's genuinely again like he's he's lost the, the plot because he's like are you here to kill me you know yeah. he's like <clears throat> he's thinking his his thoughts aren't connected in the right way but again like the mere thought that Jin would turn against him is enough to like cause him physical distress. Did they send you? Did you come here to kill me? There's not much of me left. So, so it's I, that relationship for him and for her is like super important it's grounding in a way but you know what's also dave and i was thinking saying about his relationship with jen even though it's clearly a sensitivity for saw something's happened between them for a while what did what's the relationship towards the end that neither one of them felt that she could be there anymore with him or maybe she just she didn't feel that she could be with him anymore I mean, they, yeah, there's a history there, and um, yeah. it's, a, it's an obvious thing that they 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 make it very plain and clear that she's like you you put me as a child in a situation that was harmful, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was not good for me to be in that scenario, and you did that anyway. And you know, his reaction is like. Yeah. The last time I saw you, you gave me a knife and loaded blaster and told me to wait in a bunker till daylight. I knew you were safe. You left me behind. You were already the best soldier in my cadre. I was 16. I was protecting you. You dumped me. You were the daughter of an Imperial science officer. People were starting to figure that out. This is war. You knew that coming into this. It's like you can't just ignore that a war is going on and then i love her quip you know where it's just like you know you see these imperial flags flying above your head and it's like it's not a problem if you look down you can stand to see the imperial flag rain across the galaxy it's not a problem if you don't look up and you know that reveals so much about her but Sock, I mean, obviously, we're talking, we're supposed to be talking about Saw here, and it's like he could never in a million years just look down. No, like again, I think this the the genesis of that character and like why he becomes an extremist is centered around losing his sister, clearly. Mm -hmm. Um and there might be more to it. We haven't seen that. Again, these are these are reasons with, that we want to see more. Um and you, and again to that point, you see the toll that this has taken on him. Um, this well, extremism—he looks like freaking Vader. He can't even breathe, and he has mechanical legs, and it's, it's terrible. 
but it's not just that physical toll, it's that emotional toll. Basically, by the end, he's got nobody. All warmth and all light kind of has gone out from him beyond, you know, until he sees Jen, whom he raised. And uh, I wonder if that's maybe at the moment when seeing Jen present once again, maybe that's the one that kind of snapped him back to recognize all that he's traded in for his battle. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the way he's been introduced to us because there's one that really stands out. Um, first of all, we get him in the Clone Wars. George Lucas developed this character. Um, so he created Saw Gerrera. And so now in, for the Clone Wars. Now fast forward, you know, many moons to Rogue One. And they're like, we need... They're, they're, they're talking, we need some militant type, you know, rebel. And he's like, oh, we, and they're talking to George Lucas. He said, we already got one, Saw Gerrera. So that's how he gets into Rogue One. And so then it makes sense why he's in Rebels. Um, but the one in the Bad Batch makes me mm-hmm. cock my head. Because it's like that, that scene is really unnecessary to what we now know of the season one of the bad batch. It's really unnecessary. And it makes me wonder, does Lucasfilm have this greater plan of, again, telling the Saw Gerrera story or, or do you think he's just going to continue to be a cameo every now and again, when we want to remind people that the clone wars or rogue one existed. Or that war is bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, like here's, Hey kids, war is bad. Here's a reminder. Saw, um, you know, because again, that is kind of you know, if we're going to be reductive, that's that is a lot of his role at present, right? Um, but I, we see the value in that. Um, there is value in that. There is value in 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 recognizing that um, conflict breeds suffering. Um, but above and beyond that, can we get more from him and learn more about like maybe some of the subtlety of, um, you know, the, not just conflict itself, but this character, it's like, well, he, he is kind of an interesting guy. And, and I, I, I go back to the idea that he, he did not commit genocide, uh, genocide, when genesis. he could have yeah genesis right or genocide um when he could have with the um with the uh, little geonosian so i you know it's um there's he's not an irredeemable character and like to me that makes him interesting well i mean obviously he's a tremendously tragic character um probably one of the biggest tragic characters in the most tragic characters in the star Wars story. I mean, because of there is no redemption. There is no, like I said, he never achieved his goal. He never, you know, and he did a lot of ugly things. Um, so I think that's really interesting. And again, I'm still stuck on. Okay. So somebody in the room made the decision. Oh yeah. We'll use saw Guerrero. That'll be great. But let's give him robot legs and a respirator. And is that just cause or, you know, again, is there a story that they're going to tell there? Do you think we're going to see that story? 
Fredo doesn't because he just left the call. <laughs> well, I'll speak to it briefly and then maybe Fredo will jump back in here. But uh, I think, again, like to the point of the obvious, obvious comparison point with Anakin, right? Which is. Yeah. I, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's this is what Ward it does to you. It it shreds you. Um, and like, I think. Fredo just that, says his that... internet just died a death worse than Saw Guerrero. So it might be you and I finishing <laughs> out this show. Dave. We might be finishing the things off. That's all right. Um, but I was going to say just that um, the, the idea that war is hell, right. Um, and that, not only that, but it, it is it is meant to be a reflection on Anakin himself and to remind us of the importance of that character and, and like what he has done and and what he has gone through, etc. And I think like we, we talk about the rhyming of Star Wars. They do it all the time. Um, how much of it is deliberate? We don't really know, but it they they some of it is well and um, because they do do it over and over and over again. We're going to reinforce this point for you, kids. It's like teaching. Well, and, and, and to your point about war, and you know, and I'm not not passing judgment on anybody. So please don't at me on Twitter. But I had, you know, I had I had a friend um, in church choir, and he he was in Vietnam, and I don't know why we were. It was at I remember it was at church choir rehearsal. And he started actually talking about his time in Vietnam. And he said the number of people that he killed. And so the point I'm going to say here is that, you know, what, what Saw represents with, you know, the, like what you were just talking about is that no matter what your intentions are, when you go to war, you lose part of your humanity. And that's not a value judgment. It's just because you were forced to do horrible things. And, you know, it's, and so, and I think that is what is being portrayed there. Um, the other part of it. So to, to get away from that for a second, you know, last episode, you were talking about how you, you want visions to kind of maybe get away from the Jedi and the Sith and the force. Mm-hmm. I mean, Saw Gerrera and Rogue One is the closest thing that we've had to that. It's like, you know, if they would have left out, I mean, the Kyber crystals were important. Um, but if we would have left out Jin's mom saying trust in the force and then Jin saying, may the force be with us, you know, we, we could have had a totally agnostic um, Star Wars movie. And I think that's an interesting storytelling that could happen you know it's like yeah okay the force is there but let's talk and maybe that's what andor is going to be let's talk about the war part of star wars yeah you know i think i danced around that a little bit but yeah we've we we've talked about it on the podcast before a little bit too which is just like do we really need lightsabers and everything um because I, I don't feel like I need lightsabers in every Star Wars story. I just don't. And um, case in point, we watched the freaking Ewok movie together. So, um, yeah, know, and I don't know we, if I'd even call that a Star <laughs> Wars movie. <laughs> but it exists. Yeah. 
and I enjoyed watching it with you. Um, I don't necessarily need... Dave, we said we'd never talk about that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Too bad. It's out. Cat is out of the bag. Um, but uh, We watched yeah, the it... Ewok movie together. Oh, oh no. <laughs> um, but Star Wars is more than lightsabers and more than the Force and more than the Skywalkers. Um, and so, like, for us, I think as a group, Sagarara becomes an important character on that basis alone um, because he has nothing to do with any of that. Well, and um, here's the deal also is that, um, and I think that, I, again, I'm always, I'm looking always at this, not from necessarily, I'm always kind of looking at it from a, um, how do we get ourselves out of this corner type of a move? Um, by introducing Sagar or reintroducing Sagarera in, um, the bad batch, we remind everybody that, Hey, he's looked, he didn't always look like Forrest Whitaker. You know what I mean? He, you know, we had the Sagarera in the clone wars and then we saw the Forrest Whitaker Sagarera in rogue one and in rebels. And now we're reminding you that he used to look younger and different so I think I, th I think it's totally feasible that Disney Plus series comes through with a Saw Gerrera somewhere in between um, episode three, well, somewhere between Bad Batch and Rebels. That's a live action, and it doesn't have to be Forrest Whitaker. It just has to be somebody who it, it's kind of like Donald Glover to um, Billy D. Williams, and I think that would be I think that would be a good story to tell. I don't disagree. Um, save the rebellion. Save the dream. I had again, to get that I, in there at again, least that, once. That just, that's just the only reason why I can see why they would, you know, put him in at that point to say, hey, kids, remember. I mean, because as much as I, as much crap as I give on this podcast to the, you know, Lucasfilm story group, they have to be thinking, you know, five plays down the field. And not just what our next pass is going to be. So, Fredo is back. His internet has apparently uh, come back to life. Matanti. Yeah. Matanti. Oh, I mean. Matanti. Talks. <laughs> no, no, this is, stuff. Your, your internet you is your internet is breaking up at the perfect place. Cause all we heard was like, got a cox. <laughs> We're gonna have to put a. Fuck a we're fuck a, we're fuck gonna a, have to put like a you know a, like a TVMA thing on this. I'm gonna put in like six different McClunkies in there just well, to make well, it sound dirty. Actually, I think I think it sounds better if you don't put any McClunkies. Just, but you might not be wrong. Fredo sounds like he has Tourette's. McClunky. Among other things. No, that's just that's just Cox being awful. Any oh, closing Lord. thoughts from you on Saw? Saw, uh, I said at the beginning, he's a, an important character for what Star Wars is and it's going to be going forward. He presents a different dynamic, much in the same way that characters like the Bendu and Rebels or the clones and Clone Wars did. They allow you to create a richer tapestry of ideas and concepts. So I'm glad that he's there. 
and I'm glad that we're going to get to probably see more of him in Andor and other properties. So, you know, at some point, I do want to get the full story of how he came to be. Uh, he didn't have any regular legs, Lieutenant Dan. That's it for me. <laughs> but there was just that. a long pause. I didn't know if your internet went out. So, so anyway, now I, you know, this is actually kind of fun discussion because like I said, he's, he's such an important character that is not yet fleshed out totally. Um, in a way, like he resembles uh, Boba Fett a little bit, you know. We talked about Boba Fett being this this man of mystery for so many years, and um, now they have this opportunity to show us more, and they they're certainly doing that. All right, so um, I'm going to pause you there, Dave. Because, mm-hmm. but so let's let's just think about this from a does that does that ruin the character? Could that potentially ruin the character? of Boba Fett or Saw Gerrera. Is it better to just let our imaginations run wild or do we really need to have everything spelled? As much as I'm looking forward to the book of Boba Fett, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, we've... I think we've kind of hashed out the Boba Fett thing. You know, originally his appeal was in the mystery, but that, that, that ship has sailed, so... Um, for us to say, sit here and say that, oh, his appeal should be in the mist, partly in the mystery. Well, that's not going to be how it's going to be. Um, so I, you know, I think it's sort of pointless to litigate that. But with Saw, I, I, I think there's a lot of story that you can tell there that would add nuance to a guy who, like we said, if we're going to critique him, uh, is is just sort of a. Um, a lesson on war being bad right now. Like he doesn't, we haven't gone much deeper than that yet. And so I think there's a lot of opportunity there because you could tell a lot of interesting stories surrounding him. Well, thank you all for hanging out with us and our technical difficulties and internet and Fredo's obscenity laden rant about Saw Gerrera. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and uh let us know what you think um what you know if you have any thoughts about saw where you think his story is going um or just do you want to talk anything star wars with us on twitter or on facebook go for it we like to be bugged um but uh until then until next week and we'll we'll hopefully uh we'll have a little bit better um I mean, all three of us, because at one point, by the way, I got an alert on my phone that my internet was starting to crap out. So yep. I don't know what's going on. The Russians must be invading. I don't know. I, Cause I have, I don't know, Fredo, you have, you have the word that shall not be named. I've got AT&T fiber. Dave, what do you have? I'm on AT&T. So I shouldn't in theory have issues, but yeah, I mean, Still do. I shouldn't either, but it was like my upload speeds. I got an alert on my phone that said you're crudding out. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, hopefully things will be better next week. If not, we'll meet at a bar and I'll bring my recording equipment and we'll record then. So um, with with masks on and such. Um, but until then, we will say who dat? Who dat? Oh, I do want to say, by the way, um, if you're interested... Um, it is, oh my goodness, what is the date? Sorry. Because um, St. Tammany Comic Con 
is going to be um, in October. And um, the 501st will be there. And um, I will be there in my snow trooper armor. Um, and it is actually, da, 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 hold on one. Okay, so it's the 9th of October in Mandeville, uh, St. Tammany Comic Con. Um, you can check it out online and bring your wallet because they got a lot of cool stuff, a lot of comics, a lot of toys, and everything like that. So um, it's at like it's one, the hotel, like right off of the highway when you come off the uh, causeway. So anyway, um, so cool. All right. Well, anyway, we will see you next week. Be good, everybody. Good up. Makanki.